Just want to make sure because I'm not currently, so we can. Well, we got ample time to talk about this movie because I've wanted to talk about it for a real long time. Same. Um, yeah, this has been on the list for a while. So it was uh, fortuitous that you came up with this this conceptual block. Yeah. And we could just scoot it right in there because it fits ahead. perfectly. Chuck her right in there. Yeah. So here we go. We're on the second episode of our self-implosion, quote-unquote, block. Yeah. Here at Midnight Flicks, a podcast dedicated to discussing movies relegated to a late-night purgatory, in case you were wondering. And I wasn't. No one asked. No one asked. No one asks. <laughs> no one asks. Like, no one wants. No one asks. No one cares. Again, here we are. We're the the we're the two. No one cares about anything we do, guys. Yeah, it's cool. <laughs> hey, it's cool to not give a shit right now, right? It's cool. It's cool to not give a shit because there's a lot of stuff to give a shit about. Yeah, and you got to pick and choose. So, best Occam's razor, man. You Just bet. don't give a shit about nothing. Yeah. There you go. So yeah. Uh, so tonight's ep- episode, we are discussing 1992's Bad Lieutenant, not to be confused with the Werner Herzog Bad Lieutenant Port of Call with Nicolas Cage, which I am actually a fan of. Yeah. Well, Krista and I were just talking about this. She's never watched it. I need to rewatch it because I, I was in, initially aghast by it. Yeah. Like, when I first saw that movie, it was just in Redbox on like a, you know, midnight to the grocery store, see what's in the, in the, in the fucking boob tube box. Right. And, uh, what the fuck is this? But reading a bit about it, Werner Herzog claims he's never watched Bad Lieutenant. Yeah. And it wasn't a sequel or a reboot or anything. So I don't fucking know. I, I will rewatch it, but, um, yeah, I, I have I have mixed feelings about it. 
Fair enough. Yeah, and I can understand why. I like it. I haven't watched it in quite some time, so maybe it's not as good as I remember, but I remember it being pretty good. I like Werner Herzog. I like Nicolas Cage. I like Feruza Balk. Oh, I forgot she was in it. She is. She I like it, a, too. She plays a sexy cop with these long BDSM <laughs> cop boots. Oh, so does she play a sexy slut cop? You bet your buddy. Yeah, you bet That's your the best bottom. Kind. Yeah, you 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 bet your bottom fucking crack rock on that. That's right. She'd be uh, pegging you with her uh, her nightstick. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Delicious. Just what I want. Uh, <laughs> but yes, again, this is Abel Ferrera or Ferrara, potato, potato, tomato, tomato, depending on how you uh, you know. How your your tongue leans. Sure. This is Abel Ferreira's opus from nineteen ninety two. One of my favorite movies. Yeah. TBH. Yeah. I, well, I don't know if it's too early, but I agree. I mean, yeah. it's it's hard to say. I'm hard depressed to think of any other movie that might fit the criteria of the show better. More like a glove, hand in glove. You know what I'm saying? Right. Uh, but. You know, upon reading a little more about this movie, I don't know if it's billed right. Abel Ferreira, Zoe Lund. Yes. Or possibly, if you read into the gossip, you know, the rumor mill, Zoe Lund, Abel Ferreira. Sure. Sure, yeah. And even more so, if you want to dig even deeper, Zoe Lund and her partner at the time. Yeah. Abel Ferreira, who I'm drawn a blank. I just looked it up, but I'm drawn a blank on her partner at the time. But, uh, yeah, I'm a big uh, Abel Ferrer fan in general. We talked about Mist 45 on the first season. It was the last episode of the first season. That was my pick. Yep. Um, that was one where I, uh, I brought that to a skeptical Pat because Pat was not a fan of Abel Ferrer because he had only seen the addiction at that point, which is a weird outlier for Abel Ferrer because it's kind of like this artsy vampire, vampire. movie. Yeah. Yeah, I like that movie just because I like Abel Ferreira, so I, I, you know, I was willing to give him a little more leeway with his dalliances. <laughs> yeah, um, but it is definitely like an outlier in terms of his type of style because, I mean, he does a lot of cool stuff. Obviously, like people you know that know him and listen to like a show like this and like these kind of movies. I mean, his one of his first movies was Driller Killer, sure. which is just a splatter exploitation movie right um but one of the uh the central themes of abel ferrera which is another thing i've like i like and i've discussed many times on this show is the the main character really of his movies is new york city yeah you know the movies all the ecosystem has to exist within new york city at a certain time which is the 70s into the 80s and early 90s basically yeah right well and if like you're saying if you're a fan of these of the types of movies that are within our canon um this is right there with with everything else i mean abel ferrer having that motif of a very gritty time in a very nasty city yeah you know um following Pretty much despicable characters. I mean, if you didn't already do Miss 45, that would have fit right into the self-implosion theme block of movies, in my opinion. You know? she. It's like, at first, there's this justification for what she's doing. You could see from a 
a humanitarian, not a humanitarian, but from a person to person. A humanist. A humanist point of view. Yes. But then it, she takes it too far. It begins to unravel yeah. horrifically and quickly. Yeah. You know? Absolutely. Um, so, yeah, this is, uh, again, very, very appropriately within within the, the wheelhouse of this theme. Um, and it starts... Harvey Keitel, of course, Zoe yeah. Lund, the aforementioned. Zoe Lund was, you know, a person that was in Abel Ferreira's entourage of uh, actors and actresses that he would pick pick, pick from. Mm-hmm. Christopher Walken was another one, um, which we'll talk about him later. Um, yeah, and the synopsis that I wrote up was a corrupt lieutenant is on the downward slide to total personal obliteration as he binges every vice imaginable and within his grasp. He's assigned to a case about a nun who is the victim of a violent rape and through the process of solving the case, attempts to find redemption, but he may be too far gone. Yeah, that's good. That's very, yeah. it's very appropriate. Though, <laughs> I, I don't really know that I would agree completely with the redemption because mm. there are points in which, you know, when he's, goes to her and he wants don't you want to know who did this to you it feels like he's just trying to figure it out so he can find these guys to get the reward money to pay off his debts sure (laughs) it's like just absolutely still self-serving yeah that could be one way obviously to cynically look at it um and wouldn't put it past this character um there's also that aspect of this is kind of would fit within the um, what some would call the theme of uh, Captain Savaho type of scenario, sure. Uh, in a certain degree, because you know he's trying to he has his own selfish ends and self righteous justifications for why he thinks the nun should spill the tea, but she clearly is she's trying to stick to what is her moral, philosophical, religious code. Sure. Even despite, which is extremely um, formidable and and laudable because despite her faith and everything else probably being shaken by her experience, she still goes to that length. And I mean, as a viewer, you have frustration a little bit too. And you can see LT's point where it's like how could you possibly forgive these guys right but she does because she's higher than that she's more righteous than than he is which right right. yeah which flies in the face of what most people especially in this country um, hold as part of their their moral world structure their moral like worldview is like you know we're a vengeful retributive society or a carceral society. Lock them up. Lock, lock them up. Hang them up. String yeah. them up. Somebody yeah. wrongs you, you got to get back at them. Even though it's like, it's one of those many paradoxes that's kind of entwined with our culture. Because, you know, supposedly this is supposed to be a Christian culture that we're, you know, that we're, this country is based on. I mean, obviously <laughs> this is all bullshit. We could talk f- for fucking days about this. But that's the whole thing. It's like, this is supposed to be like, essentially like this theocratic, democratic, 
established country, but not really because people talk about how the founding fathers weren't Christians. Anyways, <laughs> so there's this idea that like, well, okay, so we are somewhat of a Christian country and within Christianity, it's a fundamental theme of foundational idea is to forgive you know those that have done you wrong but at the same token all anybody wants is revenge all anybody wants is to build more prisons put more people in prison you know get them get them off the street whatever so there's all these i can you know commingling contradictions that go within the uh the main premise obviously of this movie and LT's relationship with the nun. Right. Et cetera, et cetera. Well, and it's funny that he feels it's so important to, <clears throat> several times through the movie, comes up questioning of his religion. You know, oh, are you Catholic? Uh, yeah, I'm Catholic, he says to the other cops. Yeah. And then what is, you know, talking to the nun and, and you know, going to the First Communion and all these other elements of imagery that that maybe if nothing else show that at one time this person had some type of grasp on I'm not trying to shine like a positive light on religion at all but yeah he somehow had a grasp on something more wholesome and um, less depraved than where we find him currently in this movie <laughs> you know sure like yeah basically like the abstract Again, like the kind of the uh, what is it the the forward facing view that the Catholic Church tries to portray yeah. is that like yes, it's supposed to be this ideology that is in line with the actual creator of the universe and therefore is all good and benevolent. But clearly, the Catholic Church is an extremely corrupt institution. Christianity itself is full, of, again, of all these contradictions. So, yeah, there is that idea that's there, that kernel that, like, someone who is a religious person is is supposed to be a good person. Yeah. And they should do right. Well, and he clearly, I mean, from the standing of a large swath of our, you know, American uh, population, he is inherently good. Because well, yeah, he's, he's a, a cop, cop too. Because yeah. he's a cop. So, yeah. you know, it shows his, uh, no pun intended, but it shows his fall from grace. Yeah. Just how much by the time we see him, he <laughs> is entrenched into just devious, depraved, debasing behavior. It makes you wonder, you know, how did he get his job in the first place? <laughs> Well, yeah, I mean, that's the thing. If he's a lieutenant, he's clearly been on the force for a while. That's implied. So, you know, if there's a backstory that's developed about LT, it's like maybe he did start off as a good cop. Who knows? And then just through, you know, the being beleaguered by New York. the occupation, by New York, by the occupation, uh, yeah. he just becomes increasingly more rotten and corrupt. And I mean, it's also implying too throughout the movie that no, no shit. All the cops are corrupt. Yeah. It's, it's a corrupt system. Sure. (laughs) Well, I mean, I I think that that 
plays back to Abel Ferrer's whole motif of doing movies about New York. It's almost like yeah. it's an allusion to New York being a meat grinder. You take right. people who were normal or had a chance, had some kind of like innocence, and you filter them through this city and the, this is what comes out. What comes out is what goes directly into the sewers <laughs> and out of the city or into the fucking ground, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's a good way to put it. Um, so the budget for this was $1 million and it just skated over, breaking even, $2 million. Wow. Um, obviously, this is a movie that, given its content and how depraved it is in a lot of ways, I can't imagine this ever being a blockbuster hit. I mean, so the fact that it didn't lose money it's pretty astonishing. It's pretty astonishing. Uh, let me ask you this. Yeah. Now, with this movie, most of my life that I've ever owned it, which is a few different times. Yeah. I've only I've had the rated R version because that's what you were able to get at the VHS, you know, house, the movie store or whatever. Sure. Blockbuster. Yeah. I've seen both. But yeah. upon this viewing, I had the rated R version on hand. So that's what I watched. Is it the same for you? So, yeah, I was going to get into that when we started talking about it more, but I'll just say it right now. Like, I started watching the rated R version, which I don't think I'd ever seen. Uh-huh. And I thought at first, like, I was just being mistaken because it got through some scenes where I'm like, wait a minute, that didn't go like that. Right. And then it got to another crucial scene that I was waiting for it to come up and was completely cut out. I was like, wait a minute. Okay, so this is, yeah. this is the edited version. So I just right. stopped it right there, and I found the uncut version and sure. watched it there. So I started watching the R version and then switched over. I see. Yeah. You know, I get why they do that, but it really pisses me off actually. Yeah, of course. <laughs> because, you know, you're, you're losing it, some pretty fundamental you, you're right. ex- exposition, exposition by cutting out those scenes. Exactly. And that's the thing that it comes down to, you know, well, the reason for cutting it out is to make it more marketable so it could be sold in video stores, have this policy to not sell NC-17, X-rated, etc. Yeah. But at that point, if you are compromising the art to such a degree, why sell it? Or why show it at all? Why even toe that line as a video store to go, well, we'll show it if this isn't there and this isn't there. You know, it's kind of yeah. like showing a show, a movie on TV. If it was right. important enough to show, show the whole thing, show it for what it is, you know? Yeah. And I agree, but that's obviously that happens with like every movie to some extent. Gets yeah. I, yeah I, I get it. I get yeah. it. I so. guess the disclaimer here is that I wish that I had the NC 17 version because it's so much air quotes better. Yeah. As a composite, as a, as a, piece of art but it doesn't mean that i think that the cutout content is cool i'm not like grandizing it in any way Mm. glorifying it or anything but um but i am familiar with both so if we get into content about the nc-17 version i'm i'm equipped i'm ready to go yeah i figured you'd seen the full version my full version my physical copies on vhs and my my vcr is currently um out of commission until i have time to either get a new one or clean the heads on it and see if that's the problem. But Mm -hmm. so anyways, a little critical reception here that I want to talk about because I think it's good. And this is going to our, our buddy, Roger Ebert, who 
you know, I have a love hate relationship with, uh, but you know, he, he, he wrote, he wrote some things that, that I feel are applicable and, and are noteworthy. So I give him his credit where, he, where it's due, but he said, he wrote in a critic, a critical essay going back to when Harvey Keitel first worked with director Martin Scorsese. Keitel starred in Scorsese's first film and has spent the last 25 years taking more chances with scripts and directors than any other major actor. He has the nerve to tackle roles like this that other actors, even those with street images, would shy away from. He bears everything here. His body, yes, but also his weakness, his weaknesses, his hungers. Is a performance given without reservation. Which I hey, agree completely. When he's on, when Ebert's on, he's on. He's on. He nailed it. Like Harvey Keitel, Harvey Keitel's performance in this movie is probably in one of my top five. Got to be bar not performances. I mean, of all really, time. I can't. There's nothing that I can think of. I mean, De Niro in Deer Hunter in yeah. certain aspects, great. You know. Yeah, De Niro um, in just about any of those early roles. Sure. Taxi Driver, um, Take Your Pick, Raging Bull, yeah. whatever. But absolutely, the uh, the performance given uh, primarily by LT because he's the shining character. No one else really gets much exposition or, or backstory. Yeah. But this movie in some ways can be seen as being slow. But his character is, it's like, I was watching it last night. I've seen this movie countless times. I don't want to look away just because yeah. of every posturing, every like gesture. And then, you know, when he's drunk and he's walking around, it's like, this is really a real person. You know, yeah. it's extremely Absolutely. fleshed out. And it, that is, that is something to say about my opinion about people in general. I mean, this mm. is how I see lots of people, unfortunately. Um, and he, he, it's like, you know, n- uh, nature creating art, art creating nature or whatever, or art inspired by art imitating yeah. life, life imitating art. Yeah. Exactly. Um, it's hard to differentiate the two here, you know, yeah, with with him and his role, it's just knockout, excellent to watch yeah. this dude fucking unravel. It's um, yeah, I'm hard pressed to think of 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 a better portrayal of a character. It's almost in, like in watching a, a documentary footage. It's yeah. so the 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 membrane between viewer and viewer and audience and those you're watching within the project, the film is so thin. Yeah. Um, yeah. That being said, before we get into talking more about this, cannot forget, would not forget our sponsor for this evening's show. Can I say it every week? We could not do this without our sponsors. The gears would just grind to a halt. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, so, where, would, where would we be, you know? And tonight's sponsor is, some of you may know, Cocaine. Cocaine. That's right. Cocaine. Cocaine. Uh, Robert Johnson Clapton, Eric, he wrote yeah. a song about it. That's right. Um, Davy Graham. 
the Stones. It's Everybody it, knows this sponsor, you know? It's fueled the careers of generations of people. Um, <sighs> the careers, you know, it's it's a uh, it's really like a Rags to Riches story. Yeah. Um, it's, I mean, or hey, it's the rags. Both. Yeah. All in the same time. I mean, it's given us skylines. It's given us <laughs> entire new fucking um, elements and branches of our government. Kept the stock market going. You bet your ass. Uh, thank yeah. you. Thank you, cocaine. Thank you, cocaine. Thank you for your service and everything you've done. And thank you for sponsoring us on this very special edition of Midnight Flicks. Hope to, <laughs> hope to see you again. Cocaine. 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 I hate fucking hate Eric Clapton. I fucking hate that song. Brain. Yeah, that song sucks, but you should check out Cocaine Blues, the Davy Graham version. Excellent. Okay. Yeah. Stellar. Will do. I mean, I love songs about cocaine. Don't get me I, wrong. I love songs inspired by cocaine. Absolutely. Do not like Eric Clapton sponsored by cocaine. And writing songs about cocaine. Yeah. Um, love jokes about Eric Clapton relating to cocaine. Like <laughs> my favorite of all time. I'm going to say this before we move on. Yeah, it's I boring. think you've heard this. Um, what's the difference between Eric Clapton's kid and a bag of Coke? What's that? Eric Clapton wouldn't let a bag of Coke fall out the window. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. that's yeah. Tr- Ain't that the truth? Boy, that's the truth. That being said, let's move on to the good, the bad, and the questionable. Sure. Yeah. Which one of you guys got the money? Man, we ain't got no money, money Empty your pockets out the two of you. Come on, man. What is this, man? Empty your pockets. Let me see it. Fuck, we wasn't black. You'd be doing this shit, man. I do what? I do what? I do what? Nobody do shit to you, man. I'm going him. Lieutenant, sir, the owner says they stole cash from the register. The owner's fucking shit. Shut the fuck up. He was chasing him down the block when I caught up with him. Get me a butt, a high boy. Don't you just fucking call us straight for seven. That's him. That's him. How much do they I'll take? Raise him. How much do they take? Five hundred dollars. Take this guy down to the priest and write a report. Right, you have to come with me, sir. Yeah. Anu, just Anu. relax. Just no. relax. I don't want to go. It's gonna be okay. Just relax. No. Cocaine, starting off with the good. A lot of goods on this, very front-loaded, so I'm going to have to keep it tight. Um, So this is where I immediately got confused that, like, you know, I was like, am I watching the right version of this? Because I don't remember the whole even scene in the beginning with him dropping off his sons and him doing coke happening, but... I do like that scene because it uh, just shows right there. There you go. There's dude, your juxtaposition. Key you bumps, got, key bumps outside the school. Wait, wait to bump, start your day. <laughs> key bumps outside the school shows him. You can tell, like you know, yeah, he's a little bristly, like a little grumpy of a dad, but he loves his kids. You know, he's a little stern, but you know, he's still he's kind of palling around with them while he's like disciplining them. Well, they both they both love the game. I mean, both love know. the game. So. I like that juxtaposition of like, because it shows to me, and this is the thing that you're struggling with while you're watching the movie. It's it's right off the bat. You're like, there's a part of this guy 
like we were saying, that probably is good, was good, something happened, the fruit went rotten, and now we're dealing with this pitiable shell of a man right now that has like lost all semblance of a moral compass. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. I, I right from the beginning, how how the entire first scene. I that's in my good. It's like very first thing you see, just white, blinding white, with the black credits and the radio yeah. going. Yeah, and that goes for a little bit for the with the ball game on it, and then just him coming out of his house. No, no, you know, pre- preview, no preamble or anything. I'm coming out, starting the day. The way that I read it is that he is just what we see in the movie. He's just on a bender for a certain amount of time. I mean, this is like the way it helps that documentary feeling that the way that it starts with no kind of like um, preface. It's just him coming out, take the kids to school, gets a little bit shitty with them and then doing some key bumps, get his day going. You know, a little hair of a dog, if you will. It's like, okay, we're just getting dropped right in the middle of real life. No bullshit. This is how it is for this guy. Yeah. Strap in. Um, so there's that. And then, of course, he goes to the scene. There's the uh, the homicide scene or there's something that happened. Mm-hmm. And again, this where it gets into him, you know, him being just like he can't control his lascivious nature. They're discussing what's going on. This is also getting into like, you know, just the cops in general, just being shitheads, but they're discussing what's happening in the scene. And you see the camera pan in on one of the dead girls tit. <laughs> like, so you're supposed to be like seeing it from his point of view. Yeah. Like he's, he's assessing the scene for clues and to try and like figure out what's going on, you know, to investigate what's going on. And his leering eye goes immediately to the one, the driver's side victim's tit. Sure. Hey, so that's you, a really effective way, obviously, of using the camera. You can't give, let you can't let a good shot go to waste. You know, I mean, that, that's got to be what he's thinking. It's like, well, she's dead. She, she's not going to kill her. She's not going to care. Exactly. <laughs> so fucked. So it goes that, and then it's like, it's, it goes to like them immediately talking about the game. The yeah. game also is a crucial part of this film. And like, I like that as well as how the game and what's happening, the commentary, how the World Series is developing is woven in through the story. Yeah. And it almost reminds me of, uh, I was kind of thinking when I was watching it this time, like, did you ever read The Watchmen? Yeah. Okay, so you know how The Watchmen has the parallel story of, like, the pirates or mm-hmm. the the ship mm-hmm. and how, you know, the kids reading this in the comic book, inside the comic book, and how it's supposed to be a parallel tale of what's happening with The Watchmen. Yeah. I kind of got the same feeling with that. It's like, but you know, this is like interwoven into the tale more. You know, whereas like the 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 thing with with, with Watchmen is that's like a meta tale. Mm-hmm. Um, well, it's yeah. So I have something to comment on that. But finish your thought. Well, that's basically it. So you know, the game from the beginning—that's the first thing we experience. 
and just throughout the movie, it's being woven in yeah. to what's happening in LT's life. And it's and it's a it is a critical element of what his trajectory ends up, you know, how it ends up developing. Well, and with that, uh, the the meta kind of comment that I wanted to interject there is in the end, the Mets won, right? Right. New York wins. Right. So the the going back to the parallel that I made of New York being a central character like a meat grinder, it shooed this dude up, spat him out. And the house always wins, right? Right. And what does the house want? It wants a fucking dead corrupt cop in front of Trump Tower. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Absolutely. I don't I don't know if that's supposed to be extrapolated from the story, but that's yeah. um, just a thought that I had when you mentioned that. No, it's great. Um, I love that. Uh, so then we go into this is where I had to like, you know, I was reevaluating which version I was watching even more because then it goes into this very critical scene where he goes over to his mistress or one of his, you know, lady friends, his druggy lady, lady pals. Sure. Like flop house. Yeah. Uh, to party. And that's why, again, where I'm just like, like I was second guessing myself because in the R-rated version, it just basically shows him, you know, partying with them and dancing, dancing with them, doing some blow, doing some blow. There's, yeah, obviously it's very like you're like you're still kind of you know like well you know it's I guess you know this is fun for people you know this is from fun for people that are really like down and out, but with the NC-17 version, obviously it immediately starts off with his friend just, you know, gagging the blonde lady, you know, engaging Bote. in Bote. It's Egyptian. Bote. Uh, <laughs> so she's gagging Bote and, you know, kind of this BDS, BDSM sort of sexual, like, interaction here. Yeah. And that immediately cuts to him, you know, he's... He's feeling good. Oh, you betcha. He feels real bad. Yeah. I just love the part where it's just like he's pouring the vodka in the glass and he just says, fuck it. And just basically like gets rid of the glass, just goes straight to chugging right from the source. With the music and the dance, the fun, upbeat dance, swinging music playing. And it's it's not really a beat, I feel like. It's pretty somber. It's like this kind of somber, like, you know, 50s love ballad and he just what good is the glass i know i'm gonna pour another one fuck it yeah get rid of it just go straight to the source let's just go whole hog here which leads to that critical scene that if you've never seen the the full version show me our cock well no 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 this is before (laughs) okay when he's full frontal oh yeah doing the the baby waddle kind of wine dance like yeah the wailing where it's just like <laughs> the, he just, the, it's the that cl- slow wail that he engages in, like which repeats <laughs> the classic, several times throughout the yeah, movie. And many of his films. I mean, yeah. that must just be the way that Kaitel interprets a moment of tenderness or weakness, vulnerability. Yeah. Because in Reservoir yeah. Dogs, his crying, whimpering is that same howling shot in the fucking guts dog. Yelp. Kind of through the teeth, where it's like, it's very slow. Like, oh, and it is pathetic. 
It's so pathetic. It's real good. It's yeah, and that's where you're just like, this guy is given the performance of his fucking life right here. Yeah, I mean, he is the absolute human scum that you have to scrape off of the floor to walk without that sticky grime on your righteous, you know, boot heel or whatever. He's just like the fucking lowest denominator of person. What's also notable for me, though, is the fact that you see there, Harvey Keitel is ripped. Yeah, I I pointed that out last night. He's definitely got um, he's he's cut. He's definitely got his uh, you know pretty a pretty like brick shit house physique. Yeah, he's got a six pack. But you know, in Taxi Driver, you see that he's got some arms and stuff. But this movie, you can see, despite him being an older dude, he's he's uh, got it going on. Yeah, he's still holding up pretty well. He's he's got he's he's impressively hung. Yeah, well, you know, hey, all that coke and fucking booze. Apparent, maybe we got it all wrong, and that yeah. is the way you should go if you're trying to get that you know cut look. Yeah, lean you up and hang you down. <laughs> That's right. Good, so you get some stanky on your hang down there. <laughs> <laughs> oh, fuck. Yeah. Which that's the thing. Like, it's implied, obviously, that he's there to get some stanky on his hang down, but you don't you don't see him fuck anybody. He, it's almost like he's just like he's just I'm not even I don't even care about that. I'm just here for the booze and the drugs. Sure. The debauchery, just to the, be a fly on the fucking disgusting wall here. To be a fly on the wall in the slaughterhouse. Yeah, because you know you, you don't ever see him fuck in the movie or like anything. It's almost like because that's what happens with a lot of drug addicts, obviously. They get to a point where they don't have a sex drive really anymore. It's all, you know, everything's been channeled into just feeding their addiction. Sure. So even though he's cut and he's got a big dick, he, 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 ain't, he ain't using it. Yeah, well, I mean, maybe he still has some type of moral faculties. Despite the fact that he's got these girlfriends or whatever, maybe it really is just like a drug-fueled second life, you know? Yeah, it would be interesting to, like, think about, because, yeah, because obviously he's leading a double life. He has a family. Right. He's got kids. He's got a wife. He's got a mother. That's implied. Yeah. So, So they know, like, his mom, you can see when it cuts to those scenes, you can see that she knows, like... He's fucking up. This guy's well, a piece of shit. There's a part in, near the you know end where it is. There's no questioning it. I mean, yeah, I'll get to that. My good, but uh, yeah, maybe he just chucks it to his wife. Despite you know, it's like some people they have these barriers. I will be a drug-addled, blithering alcoholic, but there are th- some things I will not do. Yeah, I won't cheat on my wife or my husband. Right. Yeah. Because yeah. I'm because I'm Catholic, or you know, right? Because I have I I have some moral fortitude, or whatever. So, yeah, okay, absolutely. Which you know just adds a whole another layer of complexity to this character because he is a very complex character. Sure. Well, I mean that that theory because comes into question with the what I alluded to, you know, with his uh, his stopping. Of the two girls uh, on the street, that's cut out of the rated R version. The real, 
um, deluge, the debauchery that goes into there. Um, but, yeah. uh, you know, getting a fucking suck job from a teenager, that's not cheating, right? It's all right. <laughs> but it's all simulated even. And that, okay, so we'll just jump ahead to that. Cause that's another like pretty critical scene that gets cut out yeah. in the R rated version is the show me how you suck a cock where, yeah, he's, he's just like, if you didn't see the movie before, you know, he's getting, he's really tiptoeing up to that line where you're thinking, Oh, he's definitely going to rape or he's going to take some sort of advantage of these two girls. Sure. And he does, he's clearly like, I mean, He's it is a form of, you know, sexual intimidation, sexual assault, what he does without him actually touching them. Um, so that whole scene is so uncomfortable to watch. Yeah, you, you <laughs> do something for me. I do something for you. Right. Like, Jesus fucking Christ. How debased is this dude? And I, that scene comes along at a point in the events of the movie where you see that he's becoming more and more just, I don't want to overuse the word unhinged, but he's unraveling to a point where it's, I mean, shortly after that is the scene I was going to mention is like when he's at home, just doing Coke off of some fucking photographs in his living room on his den table you know yeah. his mom walks through and just sees him i mean there's just no hiding it fuck i'm doing it now i just got home i'm gonna just do a couple blast a couple rails right here off the fucking dining room table and then go kiss my kids good night <laughs> you know so i mean would you put it past him to take advantage of these two girls who are in a compromised situation which who knows if they really are he's a lieutenant why is he fucking doing beat cop shit like pulling people over with him with a tail light out <laughs> you know right because clearly like he just wants to fuck with them he just wants to get something out of them yeah. right yeah which is what cops do that's another thing cops do cops they don't there's a most things most um actions that they partake of when they stop someone, they stop a perp or whatever, whoever they think it is, be it like a traffic violation or some petty crime, they don't really need to do that. You know, they just as easily just let them go. They're not fucking doing anything wrong. It's like most traffic violations fall under that category. Just who cares? So, yeah, he's doing it because that's what cops do in a lot of ways. It's a power trip. He's just like, well, like, I'm in this position. I can take advantage of my position. You know, it's advantageous that you're here right now. And this is the urge that this, my lizard brain has completely taken over. This is what my lizard brain wants to do. Wants to pull over these teenage girls and simulate getting my cock sucked by one of them. <laughs> well, the other thing that I really like about this movie is the kind of ambiguity of time. It's hard yeah. to tell how many days is is past, what's going on at what time. Really, I can only gauge it off of what he's what LT's wearing. You know, has he been yeah. wearing it through the period of scenes that are nighttime and then also into the day? I can only surmise that that means I can only infer that that means that it's 
progressing party <laughs> throughout the night. So in that yeah. scene in which he uh, he assaults these two teenagers, you know, if I if memory serves, I mean, he has been on one in the same kind of like uniform through much of the drug like the close-up hard drug consumption, substance consumption scenes. And then it's like the nightcap for his night or something. Let's go fuck with these girls. Yeah. Yeah, it's implied that basically he's not, he's operating on very little to no sleep throughout yeah. the whole, how, you know, how this whole movie transpires. Right. Yeah, and I mean, that's, uh, I really have nothing to base that off of as far as like a bender or anything besides just general sleep depth being on tour. I mean, there are right. times where it's like, I don't fucking know what day it is. Or you do get some sleep and you wake up and it's kind of dark and you go, I don't know if this is dawn or if it's dusk. I don't know anything. So that element of this movie because anytime I feel like that on the road, I feel pretty like gross, you know? Yeah. And so that helped that, I guess having that little bit of connection to the, the unraveling of the real world um, and the lack of sleep and stuff that resonates through this movie for me. I think that's a real good to, to frame the type of character that LT is. Yeah. So I want to backtrack a little bit because we jumped ahead um, chronologically here. But another good for me, obviously, we already talked about uh, her involvement in the movie is Zoe Lund. Yeah. Zoe Lund's a very interesting character overall. It's a real, I'm going to talk about a real unique New York type of unique New York. Uh-huh. <laughs> I didn't mean to say that. Sure. That was a pun, uh, unintended reference there. But uh, she's great. And. Also very tragic, obviously. Sure, um, yeah. I don't even know if you could call her character a character in this movie. No, she's just basically playing herself. <laughs> yeah. And she's clearly high in this movie, and she's clearly doing heroin Yeah. in the movie. She's obviously... Confirmed. She actually confirmed. was confirmed. confirmed. Yeah. But uh, um, I don't know if you picked up on this, but I don't know. Do you like Brutal Truth? The band? Yeah. Yeah. So there's a soundbite that's taken from this movie that's in a song on Need to Control, uh-huh. but it's that very beginning where she goes, got some very, very fine brown shit for you. Yeah. <laughs> and they sampled that in, a, in one of the songs sure. on that. So I, and like <clears throat> I had heard that album years before I ever seen the movie. Yeah. I was wondering like, what's that from? And finally I saw it. I was like, Oh, Glad to make that connection there. Right. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, yeah, she's great. Um, she's definitely one of those type of people, too, that, like, if there is a textbook definition of heroin chic, Zoe Lung represents it. <laughs> I mean, without a doubt, the junkies that I've ever known in my life, holy shit, she's not, she's not playing a, a part. She is living the part in this movie. Yeah. Right. You know? Yeah. And then, you know, that's the thing. It's like, it's weird because, like, when she's shooting up uh, LT. Yeah. It's almost, I mean, because he's clearly also getting shot up, but, you know, 
he's not doing the heroin. I didn't read anywhere that he does. But you're just like, wow, like, man. Right. They really no didn't pull any punches on on this one. <laughs> no, re- realism to the max, you know? I mean, that it's funny for guys like you and I who abstain from partaking in substance and alcohol. Yeah. To appreciate things like this to such a degree. But really, I do. I mean, if you're going to cover the seedy underworld, I say underworld, but it seems to be the um, like dog whistle. <laughs> it's like everyone knows it's going on and no one wants right. to talk about it. You know, it is. Well, the, it's not even not, it, not wanting to talk about it. It's. Yeah, it's it's. I always felt this way with like people doing coke. Yeah, where I'm like, it's such a clandestine thing. Sure. Like even more so than I feel like even like heroin. It's like people that do coke. It's like they kind of you know they just disappear and they do it in their little like you know hidey hole way. And a lot of times I'm just like because you know I've never done it really. I'm like I couldn't tell what they're doing. Finally, I figured it out. I'm like. Yeah, it's why, so cr- creepy why, and why at these punk fucking after parties or house shows is the bathroom always occupied? <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> I exactly. know. I mean, I feel like such a fucking virgin or something. <laughs> but my point is, is when it comes to if you're going to cover this type of lifestyle or this kind of character, don't hold anything back. Show yeah. it for what it is. You know, it is disgusting. <sighs> Yeah, it also made me think about, speaking of that, being like kind of naive about these things, if you're not fully immersed in it yourself, um, there's somebody that we both know very well that was, you know, doing some things. And yeah, it was the same thing. I'd be like, why does that person keep disappearing, you know, (laughs) for hours and hours? And why is it that they're in the bathroom? And why is this? You know, why are they having stomach problems and, mm-hmm. you know, all these things? And, you know, finally I was like, oh, I'm an idiot. Well, right. I mean, <laughs> for 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 the person to have to spell it out to you, it's like, geez, either I am just like extremely wholesome. <laughs> right. Or I'm a fucking moron. I'm an idiot. Yeah, exactly. I feel like I finally fully like been around it enough where I'm like, okay, I I I know the telltale signs. Also, just just from like being friends more and more with people that are themselves like recovering and stuff like that, and then telling me stories. I'm like, wow, there's been years where I'm just like, oh, this shit's been going on around me, and I was like, I didn't know. I was just like, well, you know, you're just fuck ups, which you are. Like, you know, that's the thing. You're fucking up, but. I didn't know it was like fuck ups in that way. Sure. Well, you <laughs> I know, had a bandmate of mine that was like doing coke apparently all the time, and I'm just yeah. like, I had no idea. Yeah, it's almost an honorary thing. I say it jokingly, but it's like I was um, initiated into my first above board cocaine party in the, the yeah. last like two years, <laughs> where yeah. like finally my friends who do this shit decided that they don't have to pretend that they don't. To, right. to save my feelings or something. Yeah. And it's like, cool. Now I can see what oh is always happening when the doors are closed. Yeah. What's the fuss about? <laughs> and it's like, all right. I mean, this, whatever it's, you know, it's your, it's your life. You do what yeah. you want to do. But, um, Again, 
Hopefully they went on and they like, you know, they got like on a, to a CAD program and just whipped up some like building schematics or like started writing like their treatise on like government. Hopefully like the, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm all for it. If like these Coke parties lead to like some sort of creative, yeah, progress, absolute progress. Well, Hey, like we talked about our sponsor, we couldn't thank them enough. Thank you. Florida, Florida. Thanks you. You know, Florida. I mean that yeah. that shit would just not be there otherwise. Right. Miami itself would just be it would be, be a huts. fucking it would be a swamp. Yeah. It would be an Everglades swamp in the fucking south, you know. <laughs> Who gives a shit? Uh yeah, uh so one specific thing that I really really like a lot um is the whole scene where he's going to his dealer, the guy that, you know, he's whatever i i'm assuming the relationship is he's, he's his dealer and also like lt is his hookup that younger guy oh the guy goes, guy in fire escape <laughs> guy in fire escape but when he goes to his actual home yeah and lt's hanging out with his mom or oh, yeah. his, his abuela or whatever sure and you know it's just kind of like awkward and i love it when he turns to her and finally says something and goes the Dodgers are going to win tomorrow. And yeah. she goes, yes, yes I know. I know. <laughs> that scene when she gives him some ibuprofen or whatever the fuck she gives him, and he yeah. decides to come in for a smooch. <laughs> yeah. I mean, fuck. You can see how dusted he is in that. Yeah. And it's almost like he wants he wants some righteous motherly figure to give him some type of revelation some kind of advice or something instead she gives him some bills and he gives her a smooch <laughs> right totally. uh, i love it um i didn't want to gloss over obviously because it's not because it's obviously also very hard to watch and you know uncomfortable but you know there is a whole rape scene sure very 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 violent rape and you know him you know getting assigned to the case which is a crucial pivot point in the story here is, you know, it's it's not all just about him being on this downward spiral. The nun, if there's if there is another equally almost as equally important character in this film, it's the nun. Yeah, no, the no, nun no question. And his relationship with the nun and her, you know, coming out of this awful, like you know, horrendously tra- traumatic experience here. So. Yeah, um, I th- that I might interpret that a little differently due to your synopsis of the movie. Is yeah, that, you know that is a tragic thing that also happens in the line of this guy's, you know, life lifestyle. I mean, he is a cop or whatever. Yeah. But in all of your all of his scenes where he's interfacing with her. It's it's either seems like cover, like, oh, yeah, I'm doing my job. I mean, when he shows up and he's like looking at the altar and everything, the next scene is him waking up in the pew. <laughs> you know, he's right. falling asleep like he just doesn't give a shit. He's trying to eavesdrop on the confession to get some kind of idea who did it. <laughs> Yeah. Cutting corners, you know, I mean, anything he can do, which to Uh, me, I always interpreted it as 
totally disingenuine. He's just trying to find the guys to get that reward money to pay off his bookie or not, yeah, well, or not pay him off. I don't know. Right. And there's also obviously the scene where he's a peeping Tom. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> right. So he really doesn't have much um, loyalties to her or her plight in any way. Well, yeah. Um, Cause he even says it like you, you stated, there's that whole, conversation he's having with the boys yeah you know and he's like yeah you know girls get raped every day right catholic church doesn't do shit Tell one of them is in a penguin suit they're gonna put up 50 grand sure yeah you know. right yeah he i mean there's a certain amount of gallows humor to police work i guess sure. I and mean, there has to be but that's beyond the pale really through, through his entire interfacing with the victim is like, uh, it's just completely done in a backwards fashion. <laughs> you know? because, yeah. Even like with that scene, they're talking about it. And the one cop is trying to actually give some gravitas. Have He's some like, fucking, have some fucking respect. respect. Yeah. And the other cop just immediately is like, yeah, fuck that noise. Let's talk about the game. Yeah. Right. Again, it's, it's always going back to the game, the game, <laughs> It's the equalizer. Is, yeah. It's the most important thing. It's a that's the eye on the prize we gotta be worrying about. Whatever, you know, like this is just another fucking day in the office here with this nun getting raped. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. But it's also like, you know, that's the thing, like the that's their escape. You're living in this awful world and this awful profession. You're constantly having to you so aside from like the drugs and you know the, the vices there. And the gambling, that's how you escape. That's yeah. your escapism. It's like the game. Right. Game is, you know, wh where I can, like, put my thoughts to, you know, not be focused on this. Yeah. Um, it, it begs to question, and I'm, I am, not, I'm, I'm kind of you know, put the cart before the horse here, but it begs the question how these guys find time to do their job at all. Yeah. Really? You know, <laughs> um, I mean, with LT's exploits, we never see him do any work. Yeah. <laughs> you know? mm -hmm. Typical cop. Well, especially typical, typical detective cop or cop that, you know, has been on the force for a while, has any sort of tenure, tenure, you know, yeah, I mean, I guess I guess results aren't found um, in in the, you know, case closing rate or anything in this guy's situation. It's just show up, de fucking deal with the animals and the filth and try yeah. to not get consumed by it. But he's not doing a great job about that. No, he's uh, what is there's that Nietzschean quote of, you know, don't stare too long into the abyss, you know, the abyss will stare back at you, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. Classic example of this. Right. Um, yeah. So there's that, obviously. And, and to cap it off for me, you know, there is that f final third act where he goes to the church and he has that conversation with the nun. She doesn't give him the answer he wants. And he just, his, his brain breaks yep. right there. His brain fucking breaks. And he starts hallucinating Jesus. 
And he starts accosting Jesus immediately. And again, because he's so weak, and he admits it, that's the whole thing. The whole monologue is him. I tried to do the right thing, but I'm weak. I'm too fucking weak. I'm too weak. Where were you? Why didn't you fucking help me? Again, he just can't do it himself. He has to have the Savior step in, even though he's done nothing. If you're going to be a good Christian and a good Catholic, he's done nothing to show that he cares about the Savior or cares about his relationship. But now, in his darkest time of need, when he's just completely pathetic and pitiful, where the fuck were you? Yeah. You know, again, a typical, you know, kind of addict kind of tale where it's just like, you know, it's just like you're you're projecting your problems onto other people. You're not able to help yourself. Why didn't all the other people around me help me? Why did they let me get to this point? Whatever. Well, hey, that sobers him up pretty quick when he finds out it's fucking dude in the hospital, Johnny, and it ain't Jesus at all. <laughs> right. Right. Well, and that so, you know, he realizes he comes out of his hallucination that it's not Jesus. It's a woman that's bringing one of the stolen chalices back to the church because it was ended up in her husband's pawn shop. It's a holy thing. Yeah. And that's the crucial piece of evidence that immediately leads him to find um, the perps. Sure. And what so, does he do? He pays it forward to some rapists. Right. So that whole thing, you know, I, I wanted to talk to you about. So, yeah, obviously he finds a rapist, takes him on a drive to the bus station and gives him the money that he got from his dealer buddy, mm-hmm. his his hookup, whatever, his connection. And he sends them on their way onto the bus south, never to return. So that whole thing happens. He doesn't <laughs> turn him in, doesn't kill him. <laughs> Just does drugs with them, yeah. like hangs out with them. Gives them some good shit. Gives them some good crack, hangs out with them, or speed, or whatever. Puts them on a bus, sends them home, which leads to the final ultimate conclusion, because I guess we haven't really talked to, uh, much about the fact that like he keeps up in the ante with his um, double bookie. And, double or nothing, double or nothing. Yeah, double or nothing with his bookie or whatever on the games. And we haven't explained that really where like he keeps because he had the one win. Yeah. He had the one win. So he's hot. And he's like, oh, I'm I'm on a winning streak. So keep doubling down and then he keeps losing. Losing more money. Losing more money. And his bookie, his buddy's like, don't fucking do this. I know you think you're invincible, but this guy does not give a shit about you, doesn't give a shit that you're a cop, doesn't give a shit that you're a family man. He will blow up your fucking house. With everyone in it. With anyone, everyone in it. Just pay your debt and walk away, you know, yeah. um, so, cut your losses. So much so that the bookie stops taking his, his deals. I mean, he stops taking his bets because he's uncomfortable. You, yeah. you just call the guy like, I'm not going to, I'm not going to sign your death warrant. <laughs> right. So that's the thing. He's, he's now in the hole after, you know, the Dodgers lose the final game. They lose the world series of the Mets. And he's in there doing crack with his the rapist guys, with his rapist buddies. <laughs> and he finds out, because he's watching there on TV, they lose. And he doesn't react to that there. He just, he just 
it's obviously it's it's in his brain, but like he's just like he's got another mission to deal with. He takes them, gets rid of them, and then results in our ultimate conclusion where yeah, he finally gets 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 plugged in the head right there in front of Trump Tower as you were saying. Sure. Uh by what we assume is one of the henchmen of the, the guy that he yeah, the, of the, or the guy he owes money to. Yeah. Right. So, anyways, uh, yeah. So I, I want to leave. I want to leave it at that on my end for the questions. So, I'm done with my goods. You're done with your goods, okay? Well, I mean, we we pretty much topped much of what I would say in the goods. Um, I'm just gonna kind of pepper in some things that are in between that chronological and kind of globally. Um, yeah. The framing of shots in this in this movie. Like um, it, it utilizes one of those things, and Kubrick does this in The Shining too, that I love, where it's the over the shoulder of the character as yeah. he's you know walking th- through this fucking crack house or whatever he's doing, coming around the corner, and the camera turns with him. So yeah. you see the things kind of at the same time as he sees them. Um, it's not quite point of view, but it's just it has a certain. Um, vintage quality to it as in like movies from the 70s up into the 90s more the gritty kind of movies like this will do that sometimes i don't know if it was like a motif or a a budget trick or whatever it was but i love that i love when movies do that um i love when you know there's some song playing um, like when he comes out of his dealer's house and he's looking around on the street, he's suspicious. And that, you know, the bad Lieutenant theme song is playing. He gets yeah. in his car. Next scene is just cuts. Song just cuts off. It's to the next scene. Like it's kind of disjointed and it works for this kind of movie. Yeah. Really well. Yeah. So I really like the framing. I like the saturation of the shots. They're very, they very much feel muted and cold and lonesome yeah I, I i've expressed this on many episodes where that kind of feeling for this kind of movie gives it more of a dis- like a despairing hopeless feeling yeah. and it totally works with this like downward spiral this guy's going in um just the blatant and shameless narcotic consumption throughout you know, I mean, we see him freebasing. We see him getting shot up. See him doing blow, drinking, fucking doing key bumps outside the school. Anywhere and everywhere. It just really helps to instill how detached this guy is from any kind of sense of like <laughs> dignity <laughs> right. or anything. Um, yeah, I mean, there, there was times throughout this movie that I was just like, you just laugh in disbelief, even though that I, I know this movie back to front, you know. I just cannot fucking believe how rotten this person is. Well, I did want to point something else out because I was thinking about this while you were talking, too. Because, yeah, again, like, he is rotten, but then there is this weird sort of, like, again... He has he had some semblance of a moral compass, or sure. there's some sort of like weird code that he still has. He goes home at night. I mean, well, he's got kids. 
but there's that but there's also like the one thing that we didn't talk about was the scene where he goes to the corner store the asian uh owned corner store and you know the the owner he's talking to the other cop yeah the beat cop or whatever and he's like these guys stole five hundred dollars from me and they're arguing with him they're like no we didn't steal, we don't know what you're talking about didn't steal you know he, he's crazy and then he ends up you know the LT comes, gets the beat cop and the owner out of there. and says, take him down to precinct. And he knows, he knows what's up. He knows these guys, these kids stole the money. So it's like this weird, it's wrong on the one hand, but it's also not wrong because he basically saved these two black kids from getting thrown in the slammer, you know, which ultimately they would have done. And they're just being fucking idiot kids. So he's like, give me the money. So I'm going to benefit from this and save your fucking tail. Get the fuck out of here. Yeah. And I, <laughs> I love how that scene unravels. As soon as they, they get the, the other cop out of there and the shopkeep, he just fucking pulls his gun out and blasts. Right? If that kid didn't duck, that was his head. <laughs> you know? Yeah. So, I mean, I get what you're saying, but at the same time, I don't. I don't think he would have pulled, held that trigger if that kid didn't duck. He was shooting no matter what, <laughs> you know. Yeah. So it's like, well, hey, this is this is a. Uh, you got the criminal criminal element, you know. It's like yeah. you either got it or you don't, and this is kind of the casualty of when you fuck up. Right. Give me the fucking shit, you know. Um. <laughs> Yeah. There's, so I just wanted to point that out. Yeah. Yeah. Um, he does have some kind of like skewed sense of a moral compass, I guess. I mean, whether it be convenience or just like uh, keeping up appearances, it seems like he does go home. It seems like he tries to get his kids to school and taken care of and whatnot. He goes to the first communion of his shit. Um, well, that's the thing. He, he's able to keep it together enough. Obviously, he's still married. Well, right. Still has a home. Still has a job. Yeah. He's a very high-functioning piece of shit. Well, and it's quite possible that we are just seeing him in this week of the World Series. Yeah. On a downward trend, you know. Sure. Maybe this yeah. whole thing really just cascaded, basically right when we're seeing it. You know? Yeah, yeah. That's an interesting thought to have. As I to, mean, yeah. What yeah. point in time are we seeing his decline? Sure. <laughs> because there's no doubt. You don't just wake up one day and you're as debased as he is. But right. This level of it, I mean, clearly he's got contacts, you know, he's got drug flop houses and he's got fences who he peddles drugs to evidence drugs and stuff, whatever. But this could just be a particularly bad week for him. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Yeah. So, you know, aside from everything else that we had mentioned, um, and the framing and just kind of the curt bluntness of the scenes, the shooting, um, the pacing, it helps to really flesh out that this is a real thing, a real character. Um, 
seeing how his fucked upness and then like the next scene uh, judging by what he's wearing he's the same day or the same evening or you know period of binge and you know he's he's done some shit and it pepped him up and he's back yeah. out on the he's back out and then he goes to the club and he gets fucking tanked or whatever um uh, this movie could be construed as being pretty slow to some, but like with the pacing and the content and, and just the performances, especially by Harvey Keitel, it, it keeps it interesting. It keeps it so that I just, I have to watch yeah. every second well, to see, to see how he's going to react. But um, yeah, aside from, let's see monologue to Jesus. That was great. Um, LT's death, just like, so anticlimactic. Right. And and you know that it's coming, you know. I mean, it, we've been told this entire time. This, do not fuck with this guy. He will kill you. And he will kill everyone you know. He doesn't give a shit. And so it it really doubles down and, and helps um, reinforce the idea that this is a self-implosion spiraling film. Because watching that i'm led to believe that that lt gets shot and whoever is responsible for you know the hit on him is going to his house next to just yeah. take you know finish the deal why not i mean i just killed a cop that's that that should be like i don't know con high enough consequences to being caught but well we might as well just call it a, a baker's dozen and go ahead and take out the whole fucking family. You know? Yeah. Really, really set an example. Sure. But, and to who, I mean, you killed the guy, but in the end, LT knew that he knew that the entire time he was warned of this the entire time. And he rolled the dice on it because he doesn't give a fuck. He's, he is, um, he's, abandoning his life you know so yeah i i think it's just that's excellent as far as storytelling and just um the way that the plot unravels i i couldn't say enough good things about it you know in fact i don't really know that i have anything bad to say about it well I mean, if you're done, we can move uh, on to the bad. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm done. I have one thing, and I mean, I'm picking just so that I don't look stupid and say nothing bad. I have one thing to say. Okay. Well, I have one thing to say All right. as far as bad. All right. You know what's bad? What? Lieutenant? The lieutenant. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> there you go. Uh, but yes, otherwise, I. this is, yeah, I can't really pick much out of this that I don't like. No. And the only thing that I put in here, it's, it's, I mean, so nitpicky and it's not even that I don't like it. It's that it, it, it's too real. It reminds me of this type of person. And that is Zoe Lund's shitty heroin fucking addled drug poetry. Oh yeah. You know, I love that. You gotta part. come to go and you gotta all this stuff. Yeah, Crystal was like, Oh, I love that. That that yeah. that's great. I'm like it's good for the part, but I fucking right. hate that guy. 
I hate that person that I know that you know too. And then the proverbial, there's take your pick. There's tons of them in our, you know, universe that we exist in. Like that, these like just eccentric, these huge abstract, um, kind of surrealist ideas and, and it's spewed out like some kind of fucking, uh, gospel, some heroin gospel. (laughs) Yeah. It could be, yeah, it could definitely be viewed as like, this is like pseudo intellectual to me. Yeah. I mean, I definitely like feel that way when I watch it, but it's also like, it's one of those things where a lot of people like that, you know, like I think they're, they're, they're describing they're they're almost there. They're weaving some thoughts that I think are valuable and they're and they are creating a certain you you know interesting picture. But yeah, it just kind of like it's a stream of consciousness thing that goes off the rails and doesn't it's not very coherent. Sure. Um so yeah, and and I think that's why I like it is because like you were saying it is very real. It's very realistic that that is a thing that that person would do she absolutely was ad-libbing that in the moment while she was completely high yeah well and i mean that that's why it's like i'm hard-pressed to even say it's a bad it's not a bad yeah it's a it's a great really if you think about it Uh because that is totally apropos for that character i mean that is that is exactly that person it's not a character but it's annoying. It, but you. it's fucking annoying. It's like so yeah. bohemian. It's so, <laughs> like, you know, hip. Right. Or some shit. And just like, fuck, no, this is not my scene. Hell no. Yeah. Yeah, I know. I get you on that one. Um, okay. Questions. Good for questions? Yeah, I'm good. Okay. So my question, I don't have many, but um, my one at the top is, uh, how is it that while he's accosting the teenage girls, no one drives by at all. Uh, you would think at some point they must really be off like the back street mm-hmm. late at night, even in New York. Hell's Kitchen somewhere. Somebody you'd think would be milling around. Someone would drive by, but well, hey, no, hey, he's able to draw that out pretty long. Police activity, you know? No, no, yeah. not, none, none of your business. I'm sure right. that people don't want to get wrapped up in it. That is a good question, though. Um, yeah. Might kind of go in chronological order, but uh, that that scene with the teenagers at the grocery store, how does he yeah. get away with pocketing the money? I mean, doesn't he know that there's going to be some reports that have to be written or followed well, up upon? I mean, he's the one that's going to be leading the report, so he can skew it however he wants, I would assume. Right, but I mean, how is it going to play out? They got away. They ran away. Well, okay. Sure. Well, why is there a bullet in the wall? And and the the little girl, you know, sees the whole thing. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, oh, your your dad will be back in a minute or whatever. Right, but she's young enough, and also probably is you know doesn't speak English. It's implied that maybe he can get away with it because she's just not going to be able to describe exactly what happened. Well, and I mean, I'm sure that it's implied that he's going to, he's going to get away with it because he's Lieutenant and nobody really gives a fuck about the small corner grocery Asian Mart guy. Or the teenage black kids. Or the teenage black kids. I mean, the one dude was about to get his fucking hole in his face. Right. But, uh, but it does, you know, leave the question for me. 
How does he think this is going to go? I mean, he does it so off the cuff. It must be routine for him at this point. Yeah. But, yeah, uh, yeah I don't know how that would fly. Um, yeah, I, I'm curious who all of these people that LT is hanging out with are. I mean, again, I think it's suggested. These are just people he's encountered through the years of his job and being corrupt at his job. Yeah. That, uh, you know, flop house people, whatever. I'm I'm just guessing that the one lady and Bote, that's his girlfriend. Yeah. The other lady is his, you know, shoot up fucking lady, whatever. Yeah. Then he's got his fence or his his, uh, dealer. But um, yeah, it's just it, it leaves a lot to. It may, it just makes me want to know how he got here. You know, are these yeah. are these informants? Are these previous CIs or something? Yeah. Um, our confessional. I've never been in a Catholic church. Well, maybe I have once. That's not true. I've been in lots of them in Europe, but not you know functioning. When they're, yeah. when they're in function, is a confessional wall really like paper fucking thin that you can just stand outside and listen to everything that's being said? I kind of had that thought as well while he's eavesdropping. Yeah, you know because I mean it's it's suggested that when people go to confessional, they are dropping some deep, heavy sins, burdens that are weighing on their soul, right? Yeah. And if it's, you know, to a priest, etc., you're forgiven. But if the whole fucking world passing by to use the John can hear the shit, what is the point, you know? Yeah, you would think our Lord and Savior Holy Host would want to soundproof those rooms a little bit better. <laughs> God, I mean, they got enough fucking budget, you know. <laughs> You'd think that they could put some acoustic treatment at least in there. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I mean, again, I kind of mentioned it before, but with all of his just rampant drug consumption, how does LT find any time to do his job or even like show up to do any semblance of work? You know, I mean, there's a couple times where he goes to the church, he kind of talks to the nun, but his day-to-day is just like, Fucking, what substance am I not going to do today? Yeah, because you don't ever see him at the precinct, no. in the office, doing any paperwork. Talking to anybody at dispatch or anything. Yeah. I mean, it's New York. you got to imagine that crimes are just fucking rampant and that he's got something, some new call to go to every day. But yeah, uh, that just doesn't happen. Hey, maybe it doesn't happen because he blows a fucking hole in his radio. So now, you know, hey, can't get dispatched. Sorry. Oh, yeah. There was that whole scene, too. <laughs> yeah. Um, let's see. I got, th- I got three more, so I'm just going to blast them out. Thrice. Um, what's going on with the dancing fucking, like... Shiva woman person in the in the crack house across the street. Yeah, <laughs> you know, 
Uh, yeah. They're watching and they're saying something like more closer or so i can't remember what they're saying but just dancing around and it's like this is my evening entertainment i don't know right um yeah so the scene when lt picks up the rapists he's got them cuffed together one's in the front one's in the back you gotta wonder did he put both in the back and have one person hop over the seat to the front. Yeah. Or vice versa. Right. And then when they get to port of call or not port of call, um, port authority, wherever they are, when he's going into the bus station, they're both in the back seat. So then he has one hop back over the seat so that they're both in the back. (laughs) Right. I would, I would assume that that's just a continuity goof. Yeah, I'm sure. But yeah, you know, because clearly in order to get them both in, they would have to go in in the back. Right. Because you can't have the cuff. Unless their arm is hanging out the window, but it isn't. Right. Unless, you know, which it shows that they go into the car. But otherwise, it would be like you'd have to uncuff them. Yeah. Put one in the front, one in the back, and then recuff them. Yeah. So, yeah, I would just chalk that up as a continuity goof. I mean, if he's ready to smoke some of his fucking turbo glass with them, maybe he will uncuff them, you know? Maybe he will. I mean, he does eventually, obviously, uncuff them before they go into the bus. Sure. Um, My last question, I mean, I kind of got a little bit confused, but I don't think it has anything to do with the plot of the movie. It's just that I'm not a sports person. And I don't, yeah. I don't understand the mechanics of betting <laughs> or anything. So I, I kind of gathered that when he's talking to the other cops and he's like, the Mets are a lock or whatever, the Dodgers are a lock, whoever. And then he bets on the other team. It's so that he, he can get a better winning pool, right? Betting on the underdog. Is that right? Yeah. That's okay. It. All right. So that's all fine and great. But when he goes to his dealer, what – exactly is the box of money that he gives him is that from the evidence coke that he gave him in the fire escape yeah because he gave it to him to sell i see okay that's his profit sure that's his cut from what he sold okay yeah Yeah. i just wanted to because he says that when he walks away he's like i'll get you the money you know whenever Uh uh-huh okay yeah that's all my questions okay um, we already kind of talked about this, but my other t- one question out of the two, do you think LT's wife knows that he's a bad lieutenant? His wife? Yeah. Y- yeah, I kind of think so, because when she wakes him up on the on the couch, or his kids actually wake him up, but wakes up on the couch, and the first thing he does is wake up and turn on the game. She comes down and she says some kind of like, sort of disparaging thing to him like oh rise and shine lieutenant or some mm-hmm. shit you know I mean that could just be pissed wife yeah. coming home late so late you're sleeping on the couch kind of thing but right, she's got to have some kind of idea I mean I, I don't you know I don't think that Oh, uh, I don't think his wife is an idiot she's been with him long yeah. enough she's got to know when he's fucking pissed out of his mind yeah. Well, again, it's not enough to obviously break the marriage up. No. So, you know. Yeah, he's, he's bringing he's, home that big dick money. So, right. So, or something. 
bringing home that big dick. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, yeah. Something's keeping her on. Um, finally, big question. Speculations abound, I'm sure, when discussing this movie. Why does he let the rapist go on the bus? Yeah. Why does that seem like that? that is the way that this should be handled for his own sake, the nun's sake, whatever. Why does he do that? Because he doesn't turn them in for his own job. He doesn't mm-hmm. turn them in for the um, the the money. Yeah. What is he doing? By because they're rapists. Yeah. Now, granted, they're kids that are fucking just geeked out of their mind. So a lot of what they did could be attributable to them just being um, complete mush brains. But they're rapists. So what you're doing is fundamentally, if you have an issue with them being rapists, being violent offenders, you're just sending them on a bus to go do that somewhere else to someone else. Sure. So I'm really trying to figure out why he did that. Yeah. um, My thought has always been that (laughs) the the criminal element there, he's paying it forward to people that in some way or another remind him of his young self. Because he says something like, you get on that, there's no way you're not getting on that fucking bus. You know, this town will eat you up. Yeah. Like you got into some trouble. You're young. If you're gonna, if you're gonna live this life, you've you've got to do it somewhere else. Yeah, I think that's 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 one way to look at it for sure. Is he? <laughs> and I mean, as part of his forgiveness and redemption process that he's going through, apparently. Sure. Because he's listening to the nun. Yeah. He's like, okay, how could you? And she's like, uh, well, you know, um. I forgive their trespasses. They're, they were needy. Right. Just like the, the needy do. That's what. That's how the needy do. Yeah. So if he's trying to get good with God, he's, he's, he's <laughs> you know, he's groveled at, at, theoretically, in his mind, he's groveled at God's feet, Jesus' feet. And he's talked to the nun, and he's molded over. He's like, what do I do if I'm going to be a good Catholic? I'm not going to be punitive towards these young men. I'm going to forgive them and let them go. Yeah. I buy, I buy that. You know, he's, he's pointing, he's pulling the gun in his face. What do you yeah. think of that? How does that fucking feel? She forgives you. And he keeps saying that as he's driving them to the bus station. But yeah, I mean, he's already made his bed. He, he knows when he sees that last game and and the Dodgers lose, he knows he's fucking dead. He's done. I mean, yeah. he could use that drug money to try and like put some down on the bats or do something, but he's yeah, completely done, totally unraveled. Um. So in trying to save these two young punks. I mean, the only thing I can think, because at that point, if a dude's got a death wish and he really gives a shit, the way that, you know, his character reads up to this point, he would have just shot both of them in the face. 
Yeah. I mean, what does he care? His job? Like his, his family? Why would they? They wouldn't. I don't think they would think any less of him. They might think more of him because he just killed two rapists. <laughs> but yeah. but uh, he lets them go. So the only thing I can think is just like empathy amongst the scum or something. Right. You know? Yeah. Sympathy, rather. Yeah. Some thoughts to have. I mean, again, though, that that is a real good for me to just signify how fucked this dude is. Of all things you could do to try and show a little grace, you let two rapists get on a bus with a bunch of money. <laughs> just send them, send them south. Send them to Florida. You know? Yeah. Get a little sunshine on the beach. Maybe find some more fucking nitro glass. And uh, do do what do what two gacked out rapists might do. <laughs> and thus concludes this section of the podcast. <laughs> it's been a very uh, rewarding, fruitful conversation, as I expected it would be. Yeah. You know something that you want to say to me, you fuck, you red fuck, you. What? Say something. I know you're just standing there. to say something something you fuck you fucking stand there and you want me to do every fucking thing where were you where the fuck are you where were you where the hell are you um so that being said, we're going to move into the back half of the show uh, with our words and categories section, mm-hmm. starting off the top with quotes. Again, very quotable movie, but it's mostly all LT. Yeah. Where I talked about some of it. Show me how you suck a cock. Sure. Um, let's see. What else? Well, I got uh, I got one from The Nun, actually. The nun. Okay, go ahead. The nun's got a good, a good soliloquy there. Those boys, sad, raging boys, they came to me as the needy do. Like many of the needy, they were rude. Like all of the needy, they took, and like all of the needy, they needed. Yeah. I mean, I the way she delivers it too. I mean, she's she's so subdued. I think from her trauma of the, of the assault she just experienced, but it's, you know, she, this is nothing new. This is typical. 
Yeah. I mean, it's like, I would expect nothing else. Right. So that's pretty powerful. I uh, got another one from LT. I just wrote down two of them, but uh, the other one I have is I've been dodging bullets since I was 14. No one can kill me. I'm blessed. I'm Catholic. Right. He says to his bookie in the nightclub. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good one too. Um, we've already kind of talked about most of them. So, um, you know, I mean, of the entire the monologue, you could take it word entire for monologue. word. It's excellent. Yeah. So I think that's good. If you know the movie, you know the movie. Sure. Okay. The Derek Zoolander or for the biggest idiot in the movie, the lieutenant. Uh, yeah. Without, thinking that he's going to get away with it. <laughs> without question. He makes uh, considerably boner, boner fucking decisions throughout He's got a big boner, and he acts like a big boner. Sure. The Joseph and the Technicolor Dreamcoat Award for the Best Order of a Makeup. Uh, I don't know. The Suck a Cock Bad Girls, Zoe Lund. Yeah, they're pretty hot. I uh, I like Jesus, actually. Jesus, very fuckable. Jesus, as we know, the westernized Jesus, very fuckable. Well, ripped, fucking. ripped like Harvey Keitel. Yeah, ripped. You got a little of that BDSM with the fucking crown of thorns and, yeah. the, and the gourd fucking rib cage, you know, spear wound. Yeah. He's looking good. He looks just like his painting, you know, his likeness. <laughs> looking great. Yeah. Or she, Jesus. because we find out that it's just fucking old, you know. Yeah, some old lady from the hood. Some old Harlan. Harlem fucking hospital Johnny Tramp. <laughs> uh, the Cosmo Kramer Award for most likely to appear in a Seinfeld episode. I mean, it's New York. It's head in New York. There's a lot to choose from. There's so much that I couldn't really decide who. It's a holy thing. I said, I said the Johnny, the hospital Johnny lady that is Jesus. You know, where are you getting hospital Johnny? Because if you watch her walk out of the fucking church, it's like she's wearing a fucking gown from the hospital. Okay, so you're calling the gown the hospital Johnny? (laughs) Yeah, it's like maybe it's a moo moo or something, but it looks to me like she just got out. I mean, if I remember, you can even see that she's wearing some fucking some taker easy slips or something. Oh yeah. Absolutely. She's she's got some hush she, puppies on. She she's walking in comfort because you know she's got some she's got some corn, some bunions. Yeah. Uh you know, her feet are her dogs, they bark all the time. So she's got a she's got hush them puppies, as you said. Uh that's good. Yeah, fine, I'll go with that. Uh okay. The Danny Trail Award for character most likely to have a spin-off. I also said the nun, mm-hmm. Zoe Lund. Yeah, I, I said the nun, but then I'm thinking about it. Uh, I want to know more about LT. I mean, I want to know how he got to where he is. I could see a prequel yeah. kind of movie or even like a series leading up to how he got to this point in which we meet him. Yeah, I could see it being kind of like a, a better call Saul scenario. Sure. Yeah, I mean, that would also extrapolate who these fucking 
strange characters are in his life, you know, that would open up the window of kind of introducing them to the viewer. Yeah. Where, where we get to see how he's collected these odd bedfellows <laughs> over the years. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it would be good. I would, Hey, there you go. Netflix, Hulu. There's an idea for you. Sure. Um, if you're listening, body count. I only counted three: LTE and the two ladies in the car. Uh, yes, but to the two ladies in the car, they're yeah, they're on screen deaths, but we don't see them die. So do they count? Do they qualify? They're dead. They're dead. They're dead. Yeah, sure. I think they qualify. Um, two ladies in the car. Let's see. Does that count the car where he tries to pick the coke up? Oh, yeah, there's that, too. I think that's you a, don't see the victims, oh, yeah. do you? No, you don't. But I think, moreover, we kind of talked about it off mic. There's such a small body count. This movie's not really directed around, you know, death. It's more, I, I was thinking of uh, what drugs LT does or doesn't do. That's like the right. higher count. I mean, he's Freemason. Yeah. He's fucking... Hitting that nitro glass, he's uh shooting up, you know. He's, I mean, we can't tell if he's, I don't know what he's snorting at all times. Uh, clearly, there's blow, but is he into is he into dust? I don't know. Is he an angel dust? <laughs> I mean, yeah, I mean, that's the thing, though. You know, knows. one of those substances that he's firing up could be dust. Um, we don't see him do pot, yeah. He's, uh, I think, he's Catholic. I mean. He's, he's too, and he's, a, I think he's a bit of a racist. So, you know, I think that that, that, that's a drug that's beneath him. Yeah. Well, you know, he does, he does drop the end bomb there when he blows his <laughs> radio away. It's just implied also that all like white cops, you know, especially at that time are all racist. He's fucking, you know? God damn. His gun is just the ultimate change to the channel with the kids that are talking smack. Blammo. Shuts him up yeah. quick with the fucking radio talking trash. Blammo. I love it. <laughs> yeah, that's good. Yeah, so we don't necessarily know what the pills are that he gets. Yeah. You think that they're ibuprofen. I don't know. I think there's something else. I think they're a more illicit substance. I think so. I mean, I, who, who fucking knows? But it's 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 not too subtle that his his yeah. drug dealer brings out a box of fucking cash. You know, I think I think yeah. grandma or fucking Sanche or whatever, whoever the fuck she is to him is in on it. Yeah. Abuela knows what what her uh, her Nino or her, her boy does. Sure. Um, I mean, he's keeping a roof over the head. So, yeah, you gotta do what you got to do. You bet. Um, it's the opposite of bad boys where it's like out in the open and like there's clearly a disapproving attitude of it. Uh, it's like, nope, we just this is how. So we keep the the kids fed, keep a roof overhead. Yeah, God bless them. Sure, it's the immoral majority, you know. Yeah. Um. Let's see what else. Well, he doesn't do like any party drugs aside from coke. That's for you know. So he's not doing any Molly. He's not doing ecstasy. He's not doing ketamine. I don't know. Like one of those bumps might be a K bump. I and I kind of feel like when the guy goes, "Oh, do a monster," when he's in yeah. when he's in the in the club, I think yeah. that he's doing meth. 
Okay. But so he's snorting meth, but he could be also snorting K because yeah, they're in a club. Who really can tell? Who can tell? Who who knows? Yeah. But he does a lot of drugs. He does a lot. He does more than a little by a lot. That's true. Okay. Wiki wormhole. Well, this is one that's like pretty stacked, so I just picked a few. I'm sure you probably have a few. Sure. Um this is one that I always thought was pretty funny was one of the young women and the the suck a cock whole scene that was his babysitter. Yeah. Yeah. I also found it funny that uh, I mean on IMDb it kind of has a quote there of it. They said, you know, do you want to do this with your fucking nanny? And he goes, ah, I want to try something. <laughs> try what? <Yeah. laughs> right. He wants to elicit a, a, a genuine response is what he was trying to do, he, which he did. He wants to work out a fantasy he's had his entire life. That too. Um, um, yeah. Blockbuster video refused to stock the film because it's NC-17 rating. No surprise there. So we got the R cut, which was the one that we discussed at both of us had seen um, and is in cl- clearly inferior to the uncut version. Mm-hmm. Um, this movie had the distinction of when it was released on video carrying on the cover warning. This video contains scenes that some viewers may find offensive. <laughs> <laughs> um, there's plenty others. Obviously we talked about Zoe Lund's clearly actually shooting up heroin. Yeah. Um, Clearly, also to make a role like this so convincing, Harvey Keitel was method acting and staying in his role. Oh my God! Could you imagine how insufferable he would be around to be around? Yeah. But it sounds like most of the cast and crew were fucked up on some type of substance. For most, yeah, at least able. Able, yeah. It's like you got to use to be able to 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 fucking do these characters. Um, and he's he's right. I mean, you know, it'd be difficult for me to get in that headspace um, if I was writing a movie like this. So, yeah. Um, let's see. I thought this was funny. According to Abel Ferrer, the film was originally supposed to be funny. It was oh, yeah. always in my mind a comedy, Ferreira said. He cited right. the scene when the lieutenant pulls the teenage girls over as a specific example of how Christopher Walken would have played it and how Harvey Keitel changed it. Lieutenant was going to end up dancing in the streets with the girls and the as the sun came up. They'd be wearing his gun belt and hat and they'd have the radio on. But Harvey Keitel turned it into this whole other thing. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Yeah. I'm glad that you pointed that one out because it's just like, I can't imagine this being a comedy. I can't imagine Abel Ferreira writing a comedy. Right. It's never really. Well, I mean, it's it's open for discussion if he really had much to do with the writing. Like, as we kind of alluded to before, Zoe Lund claims that her and her boyfriend at the time kind of wrote this entire thing. Um, yeah. Let's see. I'm trying to find that. Well, I mean, you did also touch upon the fact that the LT was originally supposed to be played by Christopher Walken. Right. So another, um, like we were saying, a mainstay in Abel Ferreira's entourage of people. So Zoe Lund stated in an interview that she co-directed several scenes in the film. Lund also claimed that she wrote the screenplay alone 
and believe that Abel Ferrer did not put much effort into the contribution of the film. Yeah. Um, I thought this was great. In Turkey, the movie was originally released under the title Hasan Polis, which means tough cop, rather yeah. rather than bad, because the Turkish government decided a policeman cannot be bad. Later yeah. released and renamed uh, Kotupolis, bad cop. <laughs> yeah. That's great. Um, yeah. You know, true to form with a gorilla kind of movie like this, they didn't have any permits for anything. They just showed up and filmed, which is totally badass to me. Some of my favorite movies of all time were gorilla film. There was gorilla filmmaking employed. Yeah. Deadbeat at Dawn, this movie, a lot of Larry Cohen movies. Just, yeah. Sure. Um, so. Let's see, Maniac. We've you've talk, talked about it in previous episode. Yeah, Maniac. No fucking... Nothing. Just show up, do it. Um, okay, so we were we were striking out on what Zoe Lund's boyfriend at the time was name was. I found it according to Jonas Mekes, Mekes, Jonas Lund's mm. uh, uh, Zoe Lund's ex boyfriend, um, Edouard de Larue. Sounds French. <laughs> Must be Italian. Yeah, uh, was reported to have written most of the film's script. David Scott Milton later vouched this claim. Mikas even uh, claims the scribbles. He has the scribbles and notes to prove it. And with that, um, apparently that that drug-addled fucking poetry that Zoe Lund rattles off, it was written down like moments before that scene was shot. I assumed as much. In fact, it's surprising, like I was saying, that it's even written. I just assumed yeah. it was all ad-libbed right off the top of her head. Well, but. and it said, uh, I mean, this, it said that this movie was only like 65 pages of dialogue or something. Yeah. Something ridiculously short. It it would have made a runtime of about just a little over an hour. So there was tons of dialogue. It was ad-libbed. Um, in the moment and kind of filled out the the movie some, which I think is awesome too, you know? Yeah, it's great. And I feel like it's a testament to the fact that these are people that clearly knew the subject matter very well. Yeah, they're good. <laughs> good and they, were, uh, they were good studies, you know? Yeah. Well, excellent. Glad we got to talk about this. This is a great discussion about a great film. Uh, so that being said, we have to rate this movie with our iconography, put it on the midnight clock. What kind of iconography do we pick for this movie? I'll let you, um, handle it. I don't know. I, it's gotta be some kind of, you know, paraphernalia. I, I was thinking like sure. out of five crispy fucking crack pipes. Is <laughs> some some crispy glass, you know, nitro glass pipes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was definitely thinking more like it has to be some sort of drug icon or paraphernalia. So let's say out of five, very very five brown shits. <laughs> some very good brown shits. Yeah, all right. but not 
But not like dookie shits, but like you know, fine drugs. Oh man! Fine if if you're in the, if if you are in the know, if you've had your you know ear it. to the ground and you understand the streets, you know what we're yeah. talking about. Yeah. Uh yeah. Um, you know, five glass shards, five fucking five key bumps, five key bumps. Uh yeah, I like all of it. Um let's let's go with the let's go with the five very good brown shits. <laughs> Thank you for that, Zoe. Yeah. Uh a poetess she was. Um five for me all the way. I I not yeah. with, not even equivocating on this one. This, yeah. This is a five out of five movie for me, baby. Uh, same. Same. I mean, what uh, of a of a genre of a I mean self implosion I I've kind of came up with this idea and I I see it in some movies and I can't think of a movie that is better suited for this genre. This this says it all, <laughs> you know, and um, it's one of my faves. Uh, it's a definite definitely a movie that I will revisit throughout my life yeah. and just think about how good my life is compared to this fucking guys <laughs> whole world so yeah, yeah five five fucking primo brown shits for me it's just it's one of those movies that if i ever had the wherewithal and the talent to be able to actually write and direct a movie i would want it to be of this caliber yeah, it is. Uh, it is definitely a masterpiece. Okay, uh, as far as this being on the midnight clock, well, yeah, it's like definitely over. It's a midnight movie over the over the midnight. Sure. Um, I mean, it's not like outwardly graphic with violence per se. Yeah. Besides the, you know, obviously the rape and stuff, but there's more suggestion than anything. Uh, right. I would put the, which is great. Yeah. And it's like another one of our favorite movies, uh, both collectively, that's also of that nature. TCM, baby. Chainsaw Master. TCM. Um, A lot of movies, a lot of the really great movies, that that is a device that is used. It's more like the the horror and the violence and and all that is implied. It's not explicitly shown. Right. And when it is shown, the sparing times that it is shown in this movie, it is... Just as graphic as you could want, you know? I mean, just the fucking yeah. blood spray in the car and the person just callously laying over and people just standing around. When LT gets shot at the end of the movie and there's just people standing around in broad daylight looking, they're not in shock or anything. This is just, hey, get, get a little gander. This is the real New York for you, you know? Well, yeah, because again, like those people, they're, they're extras, but they weren't in on it. Like, right. They- no one that actually, on. <laughs> you know, that happened on the street. So it would have happened. It would have just been like any day to day homicide happening on the street. So that's exactly what would happen in, in New York right. is you'd have a lot of people that would just be like, eh, desensitized to it, move on, got shit to do. And then you'd have a few people that'd be like, oh, wait a minute. Sure. Uh, uh, yeah. So as far as on the midnight clock, I, I would put this at HBO special at about two in the morning. Yeah, there you go. I agree. You know, it's just enough that whoever's watching it, they're probably on one. 
They probably had a, a good toss to back a few or or yeah. something. You put the kids to bed long ago. You might have put your significant other to bed. Yeah. And now you're up just fucking crawling the channels, you know, and you come across this well, that shit. Amazing. That was the discussion I had to have with Charlotte yesterday because I had I still had to watch the movie. And, uh, you know, I was like, well, I got to watch the movie for the podcast. And she's like, we were out like we went and did some stuff out, you know, in Capitol Hill. And she was like, yeah, my idea of a good time definitely is not going home and watching Bad Lieutenant <laughs> after this. And I was like, fair enough. Uh, so I'll just watch it after you've gone to bed. And that's what I did. Yeah, it takes a certain type of degenerate to want to watch this. Like, oh, I want to set some time aside in my day to watch this. And actually, this is the second time I've watched this movie. I think this is the third time I've watched this this year. Yeah, it's it's definitely a second for me. I watched it not that long ago. Mm-hmm. So takes a special sort of sick mind yeah. to to like this movie. Okay. So that being said, your movie is up next. Yeah. What, what are we watching? Yeah, yeah. I'm looking forward to hearing what, what we got on deck here, buddy. Yeah, I'm I'm real excited to revisit this. We're going to watch 1971. Richard C. Uh, Serafian, I guess you'd say his name is. 1971, we're going to watch Vanishing Point. Barry okay. Newman, not the Vico Morganson, you know, 2000s remake. Yeah. I, I uh, am real excited to talk about this movie. Excellent. Good choice. Very excited as well. So we'll see you. We'll see you then. Sure thing. This has been another deep dive into Midnight Movie Madness. Big thanks to Charlotte Blythe for our intro music. Our outro music today is a, a little special treat for you. That's right. It's going to be a uh, a little combo of your hosts, uh, former creative exploits, because uh, both of our old bands wrote a song where we sampled Bad Lieutenant. So mine is going to be from my old uh, band, World Eater, and it's going to be the song The Burning Season. Uh-huh. What's yours going to be, Brandon? Uh, it's from my old band, Streetwalker, from Seattle. It's off of our split with Warmonger, and it's called In Fading Light. So we got a little little chop-up of little coke, little heroin, little upper and downer <laughs> together, you know? It's great. <laughs> Isn't that... Is that what an eight ball is? Sorry again, this is us being fucking virgins about drugs. Total virgins. Yeah. um, Eight eight balls, coke, and and heroin mix, right? I think so. All right. Well, I mean, maybe maybe we can ask some of our um, more educated uh, acolytes, (laughs) more educated, prestigious fucking substance uh, connoisseurs. Yeah. I'll uh, I'll figure it out. I'll I'll get this question answered right off the mic. Or you know, better yet. Uh, listeners to the show could email us. They could email us. I, you know, I keep saying, yeah. email us at midnightflixpod at gmail.com or follow us on the socials at midnightflixpodcast. Whatever you choose, drop us a line, send us a message, whatever. Until next time, then, we're going to see you in the vanishing point. That's right. That's your sweet ass. All right. So, I'm going to be standing there.
It's there. 